she was about five foot three. And so she was small in stature, but she had a booming voice, particularly when she was ministering. Brent Olson is speaking of his grandmother, minister and intercessory prayer, Jean Wilkerson. Learn much more about this amazing woman coming up. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15, verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. The Positively Joy podcast is a member of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app. You know, it's pledge season on some public radio networks. We don't do that here, but we can't exist without your support. Join my friend SP in becoming a Patreon monthly giver. You can give as little as $5 and receive some great benefits. Go to PositivelyJoy.com and click support. Brent Olson is the grandson of a mighty prayer warrior, Jean Wilkerson. If you recognize her name, she's the author of Contact with God, a book on intercessory prayer, and a minister in the Great Midwest Revival meetings toward the end of the 20th century. Brent edited this collection of her sermons, which speak to prayer and the mighty visions of Ms. Wilkerson, who went to be with the Lord in 1987. Brent believes his grandmother's message is still so relevant today and even speaks of her intercessory prayer in communist Russia before the fall of the Berlin Wall. I spoke to Brent before the beginning of the war against Ukraine earlier this year. Here's Brent. Brent, thank you so much for being on the show today. It is such a delight, and I just have to tell you, as I told you earlier, I kind of took a chance seeing if you, if I could get a hold of you to talk about your grandmother, Jean Wilkerson. And luckily, I got you, and I'm just so glad you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm always honored and, and glad to uh, recount about her and her ministry and, and discuss the book that we did a number of years ago. So thank you for the opportunity. Of course. And referring to the book, we are talking about uh, her book, Contact with God, The Amazing Power of Prayer. I had to pick, well, I didn't have to, but I picked the uh, word of the year. A lot of people are doing that right now. And I took a quiz and the quiz told me that my word was fulfilled, which is great. But God has just been nudging me toward prayer. And I said, I'm just going to do prayer. And when I looked at the books in the book club, the list that I created, which just was, you know, not random. It wasn't random because we know nothing mm -hmm. he does is random, but it was random to me. 
uh, I realized there's a lot of books that's really on prayer and intercessory prayer, which is what your grandmother was was so um, capable uh, of talking about. And I have to tell you that, you know, this book is really convicting me. So mm. let's, be, let's begin with learning more about your grandmother. What kind of a woman was she and what did you learn from her growing up with her? Well, she was she was an extraordinary woman. She was about five foot three, <laughs> and uh, so she was small in stature, but she had a booming voice, particularly when she was be ministering. But you know, she was a very loving grandmother, and she was she prayed. Yes, she prayed a lot, but she was also out. She was a housekeeper. She minded her own house. She kept the business going from on the house end. She was a very dedicated mother and was intimately interested in her children and her grandchildren. So she wasn't, you know, some people when you talk about intercessory prayer or gifts of the spirit, they think someone's zoom, you know, zoned out like Ooh. no, she was very down to earth. But when she began to pray the tone of her voice would change to one of authority. And, and then whenever it was her time to minister, it was, it was like a switch changed, and she would get up and just speak with great, great power. But whenever you talked with her, she was very approachable person. So that's, that was her. And, uh, uh, and she was like a second mother to me. So I was with my grandparents quite a quite a bit growing up. And where was this? This was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, my grandfather, D.B. Wilkerson, was a Chevrolet dealer in Tulsa for over 40 years and uh, had been started out of his own used car lot and then got into Chrysler Plymouth dealerships, and then at the, in the mid-50s became a Chevrolet dealer. And uh, their son, Tink Wilkerson, became an automobile dealer and owned a lot of auto auctions and so forth. So cars were, were us back in, in those days. But um, my grandfather would have said, and this is true, that really the secret to his success was because Jean was a prayer and because she was working behind the scenes praying for her husband. And as a result, and they were both givers. Um, they gave you know, regular ties to their local church. They had various ministries that they gave to um, my, my grandmother would also go out and teach when asked at uh, Rhema Bible College. Uh, Raymond Bible Training Center under Kenneth E. Hagan Sr. at that time. And uh, they were also active in supporting Oral Roberts University. So they did a lot of things. And, and uh, my grandmother was a big supporter of Christ for the Nations with Frida Lindsay. So that was one thing that we were taught is not just to, uh, you know, take in, but to be givers as well. And, the, and their life was always a, uh, an example of God's faithfulness and his, his goodness in, in, in giving back. We, we learned we could never outgive God. So wonderful. 
And do you mm-hmm. think that she was the kind of woman who, and I'm just thinking about what I've read so far anyway, mm-hmm. that um, she was with some great people, but yet mm-hmm. she was humble, was she not? She was. That was that was the thing. She always, this was her take that you know, people that would say, I have a prophetic ministry. She said she always preferred to be in the prayer closet above a public ministry type thing. As you said, the, the mark of a prophet is really not someone who seeks the limelight, but when, but to operate in that gift when, when appropriate or when asked to do that. So she never publicly held herself out as a prophetess. Other people said that. She wanted to be called a handmaiden of God. And so that that to me is is remarkable because some of the prophecies that she gave, which were actually accurate, Billy Brim, who also was a good friend of hers, said that she wasn't just a prophetess, but the prophecies that she gave were concerning nations and what the Lord was trying to reveal at that time. So but that she you could not achieve that type of submission unless you had to lay down your ego and spend hours of prayer through intercessory prayer. And the, 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 there's the for instance, what really got things going, she in her early life taught uh, Sunday school classes, had Bible, uh, classes in her in her church, but there was a time in the early '60s when the Lord specifically said, "I need you to uh, seclude yourself because you're going to be focusing on intercessory prayer. I'm going to take you out of the public ministry." She did not have a public ministry for six years during that time, while the Lord asked her to go into the into the prayer closet. She laid that part of her life down. But when that six years was over, her ministry was in more demand and more powerful than at any time in her life. And then at the very end of her life, it was it was um, at its at its height. And but she always emphasize this is not you can't do it in your own strength it has to you have to have prayer behind everything that you do mm. what was it like being a teenager and yeah, i'm not comparing you to just other teenagers <laughs> but i'm just going to say that you know teenagers you know are you know they're 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 growing up they're becoming their own man and woman um, but you mm-hmm. had some very special time with her. And so what was it like being a teenager and having Jean as a grandmother? Now, now you're asking me questions that's going to hard, be hard for me to keep my composure. <laughs> I have to kind of give you mini biography of myself. When I was young, I, I had learning disabilities. And back in the early, uh, mid-60s, and so, they didn't know what it was. But, but they learned it was dyslexia. And I struggled. I was, I could be rebellious. You know, I, I could, I love the Lord and all, but yeah, there are times I could be rebellious. And I, and like I say, I struggled academically. 
And there was a point in time I remember when I was in like a second grader and she had a pet name for me. Just it was one, she'd call me the professor. I don't know where she pulled that out. But <laughs> she would say, Professor, I've been praying about you. And the Lord told me that you could go to the head of the class, which is her way of saying that I could excel academically. And yeah, there were a lot of struggles, but I knew that she was was praying for me in that. And she was always an encourager for me. So she did get to see me, you know, graduate college with with honors and then know that I was at started law school at the time. So she got to to see part of the fruition of her prayers in that way. But um I when I was in a, like a senior, junior and senior in high school, she started, restarted a Sunday school class at her local church. And so what I did was I wanted, I went into that Sunday school class and the lessons that I learned. And then in, when I was a senior in high school, she began to start a citywide Bible study. And what I learned in those, in that time was transformational in my life. It taught me to stand and to be a Daniel and to stand for the Lord and to walk in purity and uh, to use the same, very same things, you know, call to holiness that I am able to pass on to my family. Now, there are things that I've learned that I, keep coming up in, in my life from that critical time. Wow. So mm-hmm. you mentioned Daniel and she quoted Daniel in the book, mm-hmm. um, you know, as an example of why inter- intercessory prayer is so important. Mm-hmm. Why would, do you know why Daniel was so important to her? Yes. Well, Ezekiel, and it's, and it's in the book listed who were some of the greatest intercessors there there were in in the bible and and uh, daniel who was at part a contemporary of ezekiel was listed in that in that scripture mm-hmm. and she used him as as an example okay one of the key things is when uh daniel turned down the king's food and went on vegetables because he wanted to follow what the word said about following the hebrew dietary laws but that was a stand for integrity and that was one of the things that she said that it's it's one thing to confess something but i remember she said you in the way she emphasized you must execute it that was in her bible study things and so that was what was so important because daniel was in his world but he prayed and he prayed even when it was against the law to do that. And, and it was that stand from, for integrity of following the Lord and then following up through prayer. And then through that prayer life, the Lord opened up those prophetic visions of the end times for him. Let's talk about some of those visions because they were amazing, particularly the one that is referenced in the foreword 
And also, I think she talks about it too. And that was when she was at the Hagen conference. Um, the, the way I remember it is that Mrs. Hagen touches her on the shoulder and tells her to reveal what she has just seen. And it was the white horse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now that's, there is a tape recording of that meeting that I have, but here, here's what's hap- what happened. She was there and praying, and the way it was initially identified was she saw a rider running or riding the horse through the people that were at the, at the service. And then she saw, and it was actually Jesus that she said, was riding this horse. And he rode up to Kenneth E. Hagen, who's on the stage, and saw it like uh, a sword or a parchment go into him. And she came up and, and said, you know, the Lord is imparting to you uh, a new word, a new message, more wisdom and enlightenment for, for you. And this vision was, yes, I mean, it. when some of the things she saw, you'd look, stand back and go, this is, is this on the up and up? And it was, and the thing is that there, you know, that's why we had the, the people that gave testimonies about her life, you know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, so shall thing be confirmed, that confirmed that, yeah, she was the real deal. She wasn't out looking for gold, gold dust. I mean, it was, it was these, and she wasn't, didn't conjure up these visions. They were just things that the Lord would show her. And it wasn't something again that she triggered. It was it was divinely inspired by the Lord. And I imagine, as you said, you know there there will be people today who, you know, may be skeptics. But you're an attorney, and yes. you're all about the facts. <laughs> yes, I so, am. So when you decided to take her collection of sermons mm-hmm. and turn it into this book, because you are listed. On you are, you know, it says Gene Wilkerson with Brent Olson. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, and you were there too for, for at least some of it. For some, yes. Yeah, yeah. So how did you, or did you have to wrestle with this idea of, okay, we're going to put this book together, but I wanted, it's going to be accurate. I imagine that you probably thought there'd be, may, might be some people who say, no, this isn't true or whatever. So how did you kind of mm-hmm. go about that when you said, okay, we're going to publish this book? And, well, why, and why did you feel like the book needed to be published? Okay. I, to me, and this is even more important in the church today, we need to see the book of Acts lived out in our midst through the gifts of the Spirit and things, because the Holy Spirit and Jesus have not changed. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And But one of the areas where people get hung up on, and because some of those gifts may be abused on occasion, there's, there's a skeptic. And we are supposed to judge whether words are given or correct or not. We, that is that is an obligation the church can do. But her words have stood the test of time. Let me tell you uh, something I witnessed myself. This was in the fall of 1982 in the Maybe Center 
uh, Pastor Billy Joy Doherty called my grandmother down because he felt impressed that she had a word. And she started talking about the Soviet Union. And this was right after Yuri Andropov, who had been the former head of the KGB, had become the head uh, dictator of the Soviet Union. And she said, the Lord under the spirit, I'm going to deal with the Soviet leadership one more time, or I'm going to visit judgment on, on them. And people are going, ooh. And, and, and then in this, in this prophecy, she said, I'm going to be sending some of my people to Russia. And she pointed to Billy Joe Doherty at 1982. He said, you're going to be one of them. And this is at the height of the Soviet Union. The Cold War just shot down the North Korean uh, jet at that time. Very t- high tension. She, and um, at I'm, I may be off on my timeline. Maybe it's Leonid Brezhnev, but Brezhnev dies. Then it's Chechenko, and then it's Yuri Androp. They start dying in succession after that point in time, in a very rapid time. And this is before anybody had passed away. I think it was laying in pressure. But the thing is, I actually saw that. I was a history major, and I followed the Soviet Union. And and everybody remember that prophecy. Then, fast forward to 1991, November 1991, Billy Joe Doherty heads up a group uh, from Victory Christian Center that are going to the former Soviet Union. And my mother is one of those people and leads some of the first revival meetings there uh, at St. Petersburg. And so that whole prophecy, it, 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 was, it took phases uh, for it to come to pass, but some of it more immediate, but that's a clear example of that. Wow. Wow. So, you know, I was reading this book and um, as I said, I mean, she's, it's, it's, it is very practical, in, I think. I mean, mm-hmm. basically why prayer is important, why we need to pray, why it needs to be an accessory prayer um, and why there's a section here that says neglect of the neglect of prayer, great sin of the church. And um, mm-hmm. and she and she uses Daniel to mm-hmm. to talk about this. Um, she talks about um, Prophet Samuel was a great intercessor, and he knew mm-hmm. that failing to intercede was a sin. Um, and um, you know Israel's neglect of their prayer lives was a sin. And I think that there are people I know I know people today who understand that we should pray, pray, but they don't know how to pray. They feel uncomfortable praying in, in public in particular. Mm. Um, and so I, I love how she just talks about biblically, it, it, we must, we must pray. Mm-hmm. And it's a sin if we don't. And then um, what life is like with or without prayer. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's so awesome. Do you mind if I just read just a little bit? Nope. Yes, go right so, ahead. So she says, the section here is, the word is fruitless without prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is in the chapter, Life With or Without Prayer. I want to tell you that the neglect of prayer is one of the greatest sins of the church today, especially here in America. 
You may say, oh, the church has all it needs in the word, but the word will fall to the ground fruitless without prayer. You can rattle off scriptures all day long, but if you don't apply the word in your life through obedience, then that word can't accomplish what it is sent to do. Deuteronomy 28, 38 tells us that if the Israelites did not obey the Lord, even though they may have taken much seed from the land of their captors, they would receive only a small return on it. Obedience is the key, and one area in which many Christians have been disobedient is the priority they place upon prayer in their lives. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she is right. <laughs> yes. I mean, she is right. And I, um, yeah, yeah. The The movie War Room, I don't know if you saw it, but it came out. Oh, some- yes. Yes. I mean, it came out several years ago and everybody wanted to get their war room, their war closet set up, right? Everybody wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And because it was kind of trendy and that's okay. I mean, it's okay if this encourages people mm-hmm. to set up their their their, uh, their prayer closet. Um, but, tr- but trends come and go, don't they? They do. But it still comes back to being submitted and keeping the altar which is your prayer life going and the incense up to heaven. That's one of the illustrations that we, that we put in here, or that was from one of her sermons that the, the altar or the uh, yeah, that burned incense was supposed to stay burning the 24 seven in the, in the temple. And then we read in, in revelation, how that, the incense that goes up to heaven that the Lord smells are the prayers of the saints and how that with their, the bottles in heaven, when they fill up to that point in time to where they are tipped over and the Lord and the, and the angel adds the holy fire and the Lord answers prayer. That is so powerful. But we can't let the fire that's burning in our heart, the love for the Lord, go out through prayerlessness. Because prayer is our left is our lifeline. And, and we can read the word. It's it's I don't want to minimize that in the least because we've got to. That's how the Lord speaks to us. Mm-hmm. But then we have that individual relationship where we pray to the Lord and ask him to intervene in specific situations in our lives for our family and then for extended people and over situations and what's going on in our nation. That's where we actually step into that role of being a priest. See, everybody loves the king's part. We're in Revelation chapter one. It says we're called to be kings and priests, but the priest's role takes work. Yeah and sacrifice but the lord is looking for mediator and that that was one of the scriptures that she put emphasis on in isaiah how he looked for someone to stand in the gap and could not find one and gene wanted to answer the call to say i'll stand in the gap and she wanted to teach others how to do that as well wow because we know the Lord gave her a message about, well, you know, about global relations, really. Um, mm-hmm. I can only imagine what she might be praying for today or what the Lord would be sending to her today um, in today's world. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? And obviously, I mean, there's no there's no way we can know. But what do you think she might be concerned about today if she were still here? I think she would be definitely wanting to pray for our nation and and where we're headed. I she would be praying for a spiritual awakening, not just a revival, but awakening to the core of the church. She would also be praying for a uh, increased devotion toward holiness, not in a self-serving, self-sanctimonious way, but in a purification way to where we would uh, turn away and not try to get as close to the world as possible, but to get as close to the Lord as we could. And that she would, that was one of her main things too, is how that we keep the revival fires burning in our life and that we stand uh, for the Lord. So I think she would definitely be praying for that. Amen. Amen. Well, that's a great way to kind of, kind of have a send off here. Thank you so much, Mm -hmm. Brent. Um, I'm enjoying the book. I encourage people to, to get a copy um, it is, um, it's available everywhere. I got mine on Amazon, of course. Um, mm-hmm. but we are going to be talking about it in the Positively Joy book club. Uh, it's, it's the first book in the month of January. We chose, I mean, I, and as I said, these, these books, frankly, I didn't choose them. The Lord chose them. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into contact with this book through a, a great spiritual mentor at my church and um, I'm encouraging everybody to read it because it is it is really, really awesome. And I think we're going to have some good conversations about it at the end of the month. So, Brent, thank you so much for taking the time this evening. Thank you. I'm so honored, again, that you would choose this book to start out the year. On, I mean, as I mentioned to you on the phone, this is exactly what we had in mind when we had the book because we wanted my grandmother's ministry to touch the lives of people that she would never know. And that was outside of the you know, typical ties of, and, uh, and, the, and to touch this generation. That is that is such a blessing. I mean, you know, we're both in Oklahoma. It would have it would have been great if I could have met her. Um, but I feel like I know a little piece of her, you know, through her book. Thank you. That's that's wonderful. Yes. Right, thank you. We'll see you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.